0: The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com See, this morning, uh, our scripture will be out of uh, the book of John, chapter 21, and we'll be going through the verses 15 through 25. Again, John chapter 21, verses 15 through 25. And I've kind of put a little title as to what does love have to do with it? So as you're turning there, we can see that we, we can all recall that Jesus has demonstrated the reality of his love uh, and of his desire and ability to bring restoration. Uh, you see, as, as we'll see in these scriptures at this point, at this time, that Jesus has now fulfilled God's plan to rescue his people from sin, uh, that Jesus forgave Peter, and the disciples for that matter, and has recommissioned them uh, back at their task of following him. And so when we, as thinking about this scripture, as I was reading, going through this, and thinking really a lot of times reflecting upon myself, uh, but as Christians and as the disciples of Christ, and we consider the mission that he has also commissioned us as he did his disciples to follow them, he too has commissioned us uh, in his imperative command for us to go and make disciples. And in that, in that charge, in that task, if you will, I think sometimes we face different challenges along the way. A few of them that come to mind one might be a sense to some degree or another of unworthiness. For some, we might struggle with that sense because maybe perhaps we don't think that we're, we're good enough or we're smart enough or at times we may fall into unbelief or our faith is really shook. Um, and maybe that leads to a little bit of unfaithfulness. Maybe that is a struggle with those sins that so easily entangle us, that each and every one of us have them. And in this sense of this challenge, this sense of unworthiness might begin to cause question marks. Maybe these delays of these past or present sins think that we're now disqualified, incapable, unable, in that sense of unworthiness, to continue the task that Christ has given us in the first place. Maybe a second challenge might be that we struggle with the cost. Though we perhaps thought about the cost, counting the cost of what that is to follow Christ. Because as we know that, you know, we will stay in the best hotels, we'll have the best houses, we'll have no problems whatsoever as we follow Christ. <laughs> yeah, right? No, right? He says the son of man has what? No place to lay his head. Um, So sometimes maybe that along the way, as we thought that we counted it in that cost, maybe we underestimated it a little bit. Coming to the realization that that cost may be our very life, and even in the end, to glorify God, our death. And lastly, one thing that came to my mind when thinking about this was it may have to do with the reality of where our love is really at. Who do we love? What do we love? Really? I'm going to talk about that a little bit more uh, as we go into the lesson, uh, the sermon this morning. Uh, But the challenges that we do have as we follow Christ and we're thinking about this, have any of us fallen short ever at all? (laughs) I know at other churches, other Christians, but but have we? (laughs) Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning I pray that... uh, I humbly ask that you could use me as a mouthpiece to convey not only the truths of your scripture to rightly divide what you would have me to say this morning through your word that it would bring transformation. But Lord, I pray that I can convey a sense of your heart and your passion uh, in, in that along the way that truly, Father, all of us might be glorified, that all of us would have ears to hear Uh, eyes to see, hearts to receive, Father God. Let our hearts not be so hardened, Lord God, our senses so dulled that we miss, we overlook. Father, we turn away. But help us to be receptive, Father God, that truly, truly a part of sanctification in the process that you have for us in this place and time in our walk with you might be brought about, Father, for the glory of your namesake. And it's in Christ I pray. Amen. A little bit of the background um, to get us to John chapter 21. You might remember that in John chapter 18, that Peter had denied Christ three times. Knowing that Jesus had told him that he was going to deny him three times. Before what? The rooster crows. So not only that he was going to, but when he was going to, he gives a timeline. Could you imagine? I mean, holy smokes. And what was Peter's response? Oh, not me. I, I'm, I'm with you to the end, Lord. I mean, we, our generation right now, we might say, well, that's just, we're, nope, we're with it all the way. We're with you, man, ride or die, all the way to the end, baby. He was saying, no, no somebody else, but Lord, I, I'll, I'll die for you. I'm going to the end. Imagine Jesus knowing, just looking at Peter, who's making that bold statement to him. And we, yet we see that in John chapter 18, verses 17 through 27. If you're taking notes just to look at that, the, the first one was in 17 was that servant girl. And all the things that were going on. Hey, hey, don't you, aren't you uh, one of, one of uh, 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 G- Jesus, aren't you one of the guys that are hanging out with him? Hey, that, that's not me. I don't know, you know, it's kind of, I don't know, maybe it's the lighting. I get that a lot sometimes. People confuse us, but no, that's not me. <laughs> And then another one, when they're hanging out around this fire, in verse 25. Hey, you know, you're, you really, I, I think I've heard you talk before. You sound awfully familiar. I don't know what it is with people. Maybe it's of a doppelganger or something running around here. These I, Wasn't me. And then, in verses 26 and 27, the relative of the man whose ear Peter cut off. Man, I've been looking for you. My cousin over here said that you had a beef with him and you know what? He didn't even have a chance to draw his sword. You just cut off his ear. <laughs> oh man, do you think if I did that I would be hanging out around here? No, no. What, do I, I, don't even, I don't think, do I can't. Oh, this sword, this, oh no. <sighs> and then what happens? The rooster crows. Could you imagine could you imagine the sinking feeling that Peter must have felt? That reminder of the words of his Lord that told him beforehand that he would deny him three times. I mean, I don't think, have you ever had that lump in your throat? That pit of, in your stomach? Maybe even to where you felt like you were going to get sick? what he must have felt at that moment. I would venture to say that Peter knew that he, had a, that he could relate with us in regards to having a sense or feeling of unworthiness or seeing some of his sins and failures here along the way. So this is kind of just in a general bit bringing us here uh, with Peter to... Uh, verses, uh, or chapter 21, because in 21, verses 1 through 3, before we get to 15 here, we're going to see that the disciples are hanging out. And they're hanging out because at the, at this point, they've already seen, right? Well, you'll recall that that Mary and some of the other ladies and Peter and John have seen the empty tomb. In fact, Mary has a conversation with the Lord and is told to go tell the disciples that he is risen. So, of course, at that point, and assuredly so, the fact that the disciples have been walking for Jesus over the last three years or so and have seen all the miracles and seen all the examples, have ate with, have slept with, have been in the morning, you know, have said, man, Jesus, you got morning bread. I mean, have seen everything. Surely now they are fully on point. Now they're still hanging out. Maybe they're afraid of the Jewish leadership. Maybe they're still doubting, even questioning what they've seen. But they're there. And sitting there at that moment, Peter says, you guys, I don't know about you, I'm going fishing. I think the Bible says about seven of the other disciples said, we'll go with you. So they're going fishing. And as they're fishing, the Bible says that they were fishing all night and what? Caught nothing. And just as the sun is coming up, Jesus standing on the shoreline. And the Bible says it's about 100 yards off. I know that Ariel, you might know, 100 yards of swimming, right? That's a little bit of a distance as she... You know, you would swim that hundred-yard dash. That, but imagine, if you will, a hundred yards off. You're in a boat. Imagine a football field, right? A football field, hundred yards. Can you quite see? And as you know, Don, you'll know it's being on the water uh, or at, at things echo can echo off of the water. So here is Jesus standing on the shore, but they're not quite recognizing that is Jesus, and here he is. Have you guys caught anything yet? No, haven't caught a thing. And Jesus tells them what? Cast your net on the other side and you will. Well, doesn't that sound familiar? It should, because in Luke 5 1 through 11, we see that that's when Christ had called Peter in the first place, when he was fishing, hadn't caught anything. Put your net on the other side and you will. And then what does Jesus tell him at that point? Follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. Fishers of men. Is Peter picking up what Jesus is putting down yet? I don't think at that point, because it, it was John. John probably sitting in the boat kicks Peter in the backside. Peter, it's the Lord. What does the Bible say that Peter does? (laughs) It's all right. (laughs) I'm kind of of embarrassed to talk to the guy. I I don't know. I'm too, no. What does he say? He jumps out of the boat. The net is full of fish. Peter jumps out of the boat to enter the 100-yard dash to shore. And he swims to shore. And as he gets to shore, he's there to find that Jesus was there waiting with a fire that the Bible says had some fish and some bread. And then they are there eating breakfast and the Bible tells us that they all know. See, the boat comes in full of fish. The disciples walk on the shore and now they can see. Because again, by this time, it's the third time that Jesus has revealed himself to them. They know it's the Lord. Not one of them looked up and said, Is that you, Lord? Here's the thing that I wonder. Jesus, like this, you ever, you ever, now, I know maybe many of you might, but I, in my, a couple of moments, a a few moments of growing up in my teenage years, only did a couple of things to try to sneak one past my parents. But I can recall somebody that was, looked like me, had tried to sneak out a couple occasions and thought I could be slick sneaking back in without being caught, only to be like this at the door with my parents going, and you were... (laughs) Could you imagine Jesus standing at the shore like this? Guys, really? Are you kidding me? Out of all the things that you guys have done, this one takes the ca- betrayal, Peter? Betrayal? Really? I do- dude, I even told you. I just came back to tell you guys you really blew it this time. I'm out of here. But he didn't. Have we ever blown it? Let's read. Chapter 21. I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Verse 19. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter then turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who had leaned back against during the supper and had said, Lord, who is this that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die, yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who was bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written, I suppose that it would itself, that, it, that the world itself, excuse me, uh, could not contain the books that would be written. This morning, going through this, I, I don't know that I want to say simplistic, but definitely I would like to say in its sense of a simple but profound Message that I think that as we can see in the fulfillment of Christ's mission and what God had commanded him to do in the death, burial, and resurrection, that in this we can find some profound meaning um, and even application in of ourselves as believers that can have some relation to Peter and the disciples. The first point. I uh, will talk about this morning will be will we love and sacrifice? And the second point simply is what about this man? So, the first point again, will we love and sacrifice? And we just read uh, verses 15 through 19. <clears throat> but just as Peter had denied Jesus three times, Jesus asked Peter if he loved him three times. By this point, I don't think that Peter has missed the connection. You know how sometimes you're trying to say something to whether it's your child or to somebody without necessarily directly saying something? But it's like, are you listening to what I'm saying? I'm hoping that you're picking up what I'm putting down, or in this case, maybe, Peter, are you smelling what you've been stepping in? I mean, are we? do you get it? But I think that, in his, as the Bible says, that Peter was grieved because Jesus asked him three times. I mean, I'm wondering if Jesus goes, grieved? He's talking about grieved. I'm the one that's grieved. (laughs) Peter said, Lord, you know everything. And of course, we know that as we can fast forward that Peter goes on to write a few books in the Bible. He goes on to serve Christ He goes on to take care of those that God gives him to take care of, even knowing that at some point he would die. Could you imagine? Jesus asking you, Do you love me? And then he begins not to tell you when, but he tells you how you're going to die. I wonder if some of us would be like, But that's heavy. You know what? I've been meaning. I've been procrastinating. I better get those things that I got on my bucket list checked off now because, who, <laughs> I mean, would we, would we be, would that scare us enough to reconsider the mandate, the task at hand? Would that be enough for you to reconsider? Well, maybe this time next year, Lord? But here, Jesus is reinstating Peter and the disciples back to ministry. And Peter, knowing the love that Jesus had for him, how could he not love others? In fact, he's able, through the power of the Holy Spirit, as we later in Acts, right, to obey Christ until the end. Ultimately, we see that Peter would be a martyr for Christ. And like Jesus' crucifixion, though, Peter's death by crucifixion, albeit Upside down, because why? He didn't want to consider himself to be equal with his Lord. He's not unworthy to be crucified in that manner. But is it a feat, or is it a victory that would be a means of glorifying God? Jesus, I believe, wanted Peter's faithfulness. In reconfirming him, Asking him three times, do you love me? I think he wants that from his believers as well. He wants our faithfulness. How was Peter able to walk in this? How can we as disciples walk in that type of faithfulness? I'm glad you asked. What is our motive? What does love have to do with it? You see, love is powerful. Even an earthly love on a human level is powerful. We can have love for a person. We can have love for a drug. We can have love for an experience. We can have love for a desire. We can have love to have or do something. In fact, our history is full of things that love has caused people to do, good and bad. Love is a powerful motivator, a powerful feeling a powerful sense who and what do we love Deuteronomy 10:12 says and now Israel what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God to walk in all his ways to love him to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul John 15:13 greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends In fact all through the book of john it tells us if we love god will what we'll obey his commands second corinthians 5 14 says in the first part that the love of christ controls us matthew 22 37 and he said to him you shall love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind I think as Christians, as believers in Christ, we should be driven by a compelling love for Christ because he first loved us, did he not? Does not the Bible say that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us? We know that his death was because for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Is it not knowing The reality that Christ first loved us, how can we love somebody that has done wrong to us? How can we love somebody that has hurt us so deeply? How can we forgive somebody who has wronged us? Dare I say, how can we even love our fellow believer in church? How can we love our spouse? You see, before and from the time of Moses, in the Mosaic Law too, and now, and through the Old Testament, or New, New Testament, excuse me, we are called to love God. Love is the power of obedience. Love is the power of service, of duty, of worship, of fellowship. Love is everything. Our lives are about loving God and loving others in bringing glory to God in all that we do. It is the love of God, again, that he had for his people to sacrifice his only son. Have we fallen short in our love for Christ? Is our perspective so blurred that we can't find unity inside the four walls of our own churches today? Have our hearts become so hard that we're disobedient to all the biblical mandates and commands that Christ has given us? Do we love our church family, let alone our neighbor? Is our love for Christ so dull we neglect or disrespect the ones we love, our spouses, our children, our relatives, even those that are the closest to us? I mean, the list can go on. Will we retreat and go back to fishing like Peter did? What is that? Will we go back to what you're familiar to? Will you give up? Will we stop? Will we pause the mandate that Christ has given us as a disciple to go and make disciples? Are any of us here today in need of God's love, or restoration even to some degree or another do we need to be reminded in god's love that can we just see in this moment what it must have been like for christ and the disciples to walk along the beach at that moment at that point in all that has transpired the good the bad the miracles, the hard times, the suffering, the doubting, the disbelief, the very words and promises that Christ had made to him, the parables that he spoke. Jesus, can't you just speak plainly to us? It's not time. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. May we hear this morning the words of our Lord. And in his task that he's given us to follow him. Will we go back? Will we retreat? Will we be stubborn? Guilty myself. Life has a funny way of sometimes putting us through this spin cycle and around and around and around it goes. It's life and family and job and disappointment and frustration and hurt and confusion and this and that. When does it stop? How about now? How about today? How about we hear the words of our Lord today? Today. And today we can start new. And if we're in need of God's restoration, I'm telling you, he is here in this house. When we read this, these words, it is God himself speaking to us that he has given us his words that we might live. Point number two. What about this man? This is John 21, verses 20 through 25. Let me just read that for, <clears throat> again here, verse 20, chapter 21. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one that also had leaned back uh, against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what, ab- what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that the disciple was not to die, yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it was my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? And verse 24, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are many other things that Jesus did, and were every one of them uh, to be written, I suppose that the world itself uh, could not contain the books that would be written. Now, did you know, imagine they're walking? And again, picture that they're walking along the beach, Jesus is talking. And he's given that rebuke to Peter. At least I kind of look at that as, follow me. Peter, see, they're walking and he turns and he recognizes that. that, That's not like John and Peter were strangers. No, (laughs) right? What about this guy? Do we ever ask the same type of thing? Lord, how come my life is like this? You know, you know, the things that I do for you, Lord, you know how many people I have put up for your namesake. And you know what? Look, this is what I got for it. And, you know, that Yahoo over there, I mean, I don't know if he's even a Christian. Look what look at that, look at that. Look where, you know, and Lord, you know what? I'm I am dying on the vine, suffering for the I am here in this house, in this place, and look at them. Look at the house that they got. Look at the car that they drive. Look at the job that they have. You know what? Matter of fact, I've been in my job and I haven't had a raise in I don't know how many years. You know what? Hey, we're just talking about the raise that they got and oh how great. Oh, sure, I bet how great he was doing. Lord, how about, how about them? Lord, how about, you know what? You know, I, I was, <clears throat> man, I was over there talking to, we were at the, at the family barbecue and I was, I was talking to Uncle Fuddy and Aunt Peaky and you know what they were telling me? That their church, man, they just grew by another 150 people. Oh my God, Lord, look at us, just, just sucking dry over here in Aurora off of a Del Mar circle. How come their church has got going on? What about that church over there, Lord? You know what? And they got this ministry going on and they got that ministry going on. And oh my gosh, Lord, look, look at, you know what? Oh my gosh, you know, I can't even believe that they, they call themselves parents. They, 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 they just abuse those kids. I can't, they just let them do whatever the heck they want them to do. And, and look at, look at over here. And how come I have, and holy smokes, have we ever done anything like that? Now, I was saying in, in Sunday school class, you know, my wife tells me, you know, we don't compare. I'm, you don't compare. And I go, well, I wasn't comparing. I'm just making observations. <laughs> of course, <laughs> that gets me an elbow, right? <clears throat> Peter could say, I'm not, not comparing. I just wonder. I'm just, you know. I'm, I mean, because look, look at what just Jesus just told him. He just told him how he was going to die. Well, if I'm going to be doing this work for you and following you, Lord, what about my buddy John here? What if I want him to remain until I come? What is that to you? And just like some really good old-fashioned church history, which again doesn't happen here, but in other places, the rumor mill kicks in and all of a sudden it's decided that John is going to be alive until Jesus comes back. And Jesus is like, I didn't even say that. That's not what I said. What I said was, if that's what I wanted, what does that have to do with you? You... Follow me. Every single one of us may have similarities in the things that we walk through and deal with. But we all have different degrees of them. For whatever reason that is, who can truly know but the Lord? But it doesn't change the mandate. You follow me. You follow me in the place where I have you so that whatever you do, you're bringing glory to me. You know, Peter's life and his actions can sure seem a lot like some of ours, right? He wasn't, he quick to anger at times. We can see that when he cut off the guy's ear. I mean, that's that's just the knee jerk. Let me just knock him out, Lord. He overestimated himself and underestimated others. No, Lord, I won't. You know what? I'm with you till the end, Lord. I don't know about these other guys, but you know what? Nope, I'll never deny you. I'll die for you, Lord. He was quick for short responses. He denied Christ three times. Second guessing his call and his purpose because he went off fishing. He knew full well. They all did. Don't we know better? But yet we still, don't we have the same similar responses in our life? I mean, man, here they are walking with Christ in his earthly ministry, seeing the things that they saw, experiencing the things, the sights, the smells, the sounds. Could we imagine even? And today, and each and every one of us, We all have stories. We all have stories of doubt, disbelief, heartbreak, happiness, joy, excitement, good times, bad times, sad times. Are we also guilty of reacting in the same ways? Have we lost our first love? the name of David in the Psalms, asking, would renew a right spirit within me? Have we complained so much when we have been given so much? (sighs) Are we like that in that place? And Peter is there. Well, Jesus... If I have to go through this, why don't they have to go through this? That's not fair. I know I'm probably the only one that's ever said something like that, even to myself. I thought, that's not fair. Do you know the blood, sweat, and tears we put into this? It may seem like other Christians have it easier or better than others, and it may not seem fair. Like I said earlier, it's a mystery. And you know what? It always will be. I mean, didn't even Paul have a thorn in his flesh asking the Lord to take it from him? And what did the Lord say to, to Paul? My grace is sufficient for you. And the Bible is full of these types of examples. I don't know, perhaps, maybe, you know, sometimes when we have questions that we don't have answers to, and we say, well, you know what, I guess we'll find out, you know, when we go to heaven. But I think sometimes that thinking about that, I don't know, I wonder when we go to heaven, will that really even matter anymore at that point? But this here and now, right, this struggle, right? Don't they say, what is this saying? The struggle is real. <laughs> I can see Jesus telling us the same thing as he told Peter. What is that to you? As for you, you follow me. And could you imagine Jesus even in that conversation looking at you as you're walking along the beach right in your face looking at you saying do you love me? You follow me. This we do know our ways are not his ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But we can trust the Lord and put our faith and our hope in Him alone to be our sufficiency, even when it doesn't make sense. And I know it's harder, and so it's that saying, it's easier said than done. <clears throat> but we can face our sufferings, our hurts, our disappointments, good times, bad times, confusing, hardships, happiness, sadness, all of it for the sake of Christ. I told the class this morning that in all of these types of things, Paul in the Bible does say that there is a secret to being able to handle all that. And he says it that way. He, I have the secret. And a lot of times this, <clears throat> excuse me, this particular passage of Scripture is taken out of context in some points. But in here, we'll look at the context of what Paul says in <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4. Excuse me, my. <clears throat> Sorry. Excuse me. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. He's saying, I've learned the secret. Anybody ever felt like that? You're in, you need something. You don't have something. You're hurting. You're, you're high. You're low. All of these things. He said, I've learned the secret. Verse 13. What's the secret, Paul? I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Or some might say through Christ who strengthens me. Paul might have known a few things about sufferings. Some of us sitting here might know a thing or two about sufferings and hardships. Unfairness and all the things that we just talked about. But trying to rely on Christ's strength for sufficiency And finding contentment in it all through his strength is the secret that we need to have to rely on. Jesus' last words to Peter as he recommissioned him were, follow me. Maybe some are here today or those listening online are in need of God's restoration and or forgiveness That we too may follow Christ. You see, God's promises are all yes and amen. Because Jesus alone fulfilled God's plan to rescue his people from sin. Jesus was able to forgive the disciples of their sins and failures and then recommission Peter and the disciples in their task to follow him. It's by God's love and grace through Jesus that we can have forgiveness of our sins and our failures too, and in Christ alone. I believe that God does desire to bring restoration to his people. I know that a shepherd will leave the 99 to get the one. Have you ever felt like you're that one? Have you ever felt like you've just let just, you've sinned. And you know what it feels like when you sin sometimes and you're sitting there? And it feels like everybody knows what you've done. And you feel isolated. But I'm here to tell you that God will leave the 99 to come get you. He's faithful even when we're not. He's there when we weren't. He'll always be there. He will never leave us as orphans. I believe again, I remember Donna looking at me one time, counseling, and she looked at me and she said, Steve, is God's arm too short to save All these years, I remember, that for some that stuck with me. <clears throat> so wherever you're at, in your station, in your life, whatever it is that you're dealing with, is God's arm too short to see you through it? Is God's promises not enough? to empower us through those that are His as His believers that have the Spirit of God dwelling within us to remind us of the things that He said, to bring conviction, that promise that He's made to us. Where He is now, we can't go, but He has gone to prepare a place for us. Is His arm too short? To save. No. Sometimes I think we allow our pride, our selfishness, our disobedience, our hard heartedness to get in the way. Sometimes I think we allow unforgiveness to get in the way. I think. Sometimes we find it hard to comprehend that God still wants to use us in spite of when the reality is, is, oh, son, oh, daughter, I do. Because you see, when we ask for forgiveness, and again, this would be another scripture that Don would say, see if he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins, And cast them as far as the east is from the west. And remember them no more. Can we not have that burden that Christ had paid for us. Taken off of our shoulders. Can we not follow him? Can we not look at our own lives where we know that we've fallen short because maybe we've loved something or someone or whatever else. Can we not come together, family, so that it is the world that sees the love that we have for Christ and the love of Christ in us that makes us different? I believe that God not only desires to bring restoration and forgiveness for those that seek it and ask it, I believe that he has the power to do it. You see, we can start today fresh. And if we repent and believe in Christ alone, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Right here, right now. Right where you're sitting, right where you're at. God knows our thoughts before we even think them. He knows the words on our tongue before we even speak them. We can ask for forgiveness where we are right now, right here. There can be restoration right here, right now. Finally, family, let us walk in love in obedience to our Lord, with unity in our homes, unity in our churches, again, that the world might see that our love for Christ and Christ's love for us so that in all we do, we can truly bring glory to Him. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.